Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Anthony Irwin. This is my first show of 2022, so happy new year to everyone who listens to me on this podcast feed. I believe it is Anthony's 37th show of this new year, so, <laughs> you know, less so from him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's great. I, I kind of joked after last night's game, cause I recorded the lowdown that this is going to be one of those cool uh, episodes where we actually do love basketball. Mm-hmm. Lakers have won four out of five. They're trying to move Deandre Jordan also trying to move Kent Bazemore. Like this is all is really, really good right now. This is great. Yeah. The Lakers uh, remain undefeated since Frank Vogel exited health and safety protocols. Reminded yep. us of just how good of a coach he can be, especially <laughs> compared to the alternatives on the Lakers bench. Um, mm-hmm. I was happy to have Frank back. There was one moment actually at the end of the Minnesota game, I want to say, where I think like someone had just missed or no, the, the Lakers called a timeout and then were unable to inbound the ball, right? They got called for a five second violation and yeah, he just had like rusted. a huge smile on his face. And I was like, why is Frank so happy? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I'm happy to see Frank and I'm happy that he's happy, even in this unnecessarily <laughs> dramatic of circumstance. So, yeah, I uh, so I remember that game distinctly because right before Russ was inbounding the ball, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I guarantee he turns it over in some way here. I, <laughs> I just I, I, I told that to Jen and I, I fired off the tweet. What happens if this game goes to overtime? Because I think they were up by five when Russ got the yeah. five second call and he turns the ball over there and I go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i i think i think in in all over the court like in all all kind of facets of of the organization i love that frank has mastered the media mm-hmm. um i think he's done a really good job of like yeah david fisdale has been in charge of our offense so far this year <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i've i've really enjoyed that aspect of it um and, and yeah, like just on top of him being a really good NBA coach who I think uh, has his flaws. Like, I'm not saying that yes. he was um, of course. perfect earlier this year. It shouldn't have taken half of the team catching a virus to recognize, oh, we're way better when we're small and we space the floor. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, there, there are some aspects of, of his approach that I would change, but, but yeah, if the alternative is David Fisdale or, you know, a, a, a rookie head coach in Phil Handy, then yeah, I'd rather for this season, uh, see what Frank can do in turning it around. Yeah. Frank's really, uh, become, I don't want to say combative because Frank Vogel is not combative, but like no. he is, uh, <laughs> he's just asserting himself a little bit more with the media, like making it clear what, what he does and what everybody else on the team does. And yeah. Uh, and studying the criticisms so that yeah. he knows who does what <laughs> he knows <laughs> to say who says what it really reminds me of that scene in Ted Lasso where Ted meets the ex-husband mm-hmm. and and you see the knives come out in in Ted Lasso that you hadn't really seen to that point he's this golly gee look at me kind of character yeah. right and then and then he meets the ex-husband and the ex-husband is like clearly just a complete asshole and, mm-hmm. and he beats him in darts and then he and then he kind of out politic uh, uh out politics him at the banquet thing mm-hmm. despite the guy giving a million dollars to in need children yeah <laughs> ted lasso wins that hard to make a guy like that look bad huh <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And, and, and like you recognize her like, oh, there's more to Ted Lasso than really meets the eye here. And I think 
I think here with, with Frank, it's been a lot of like, uh, he is literally called Ted Lasso within mm-hmm. the Lakers organization. And this was him like just kind of reasserting himself. Like, yeah, I'm actually yeah. really good as a coach. too. Yeah. <laughs> this is something you guys okay. should remember. I know I, you know, project that golly gee whiz energy of Ted Lasso, but I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And however this season ends for him, I'm just, uh, I'm happy that Frank Vogel has earned, you know, some more admiration for the job that he's done because the things that have gone wrong for the Lakers since he got to the team, I don't think are even like primarily or soup, like, you know, plurality his fault. Like it's just, no. it should not be laid at his feet and, you know, no. good for him. But uh, we are approaching the NBA trade deadline. It is what, just about a month away. And the Lakers, as you might expect, are not entirely satisfied with their roster, which what? how could anyone have seen that coming? Wow. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and of course, the Lakers don't exactly have the most tradable of assets, but we got a report today from ESPN that the Lakers are reportedly looking to offload DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore, which <laughs> I'm trying to offload 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not going well. The fact that the Lakers have DeAndre Jordan, I have mentioned on this show before, is what I believe to be the worst decision they made this offseason. It has made me so mad watching DeAndre Jordan play basketball for, for the Los years. Angeles Lakers. <laughs> like, it's like, not... it's... <laughs> like multiple franchises now. So I have some friends who are, who cover the Dallas Mavericks. I have some mm-hmm. friends who cover the Brooklyn Nets. And then, you know, now the Lakers. Three different franchises now have absolutely loathed the, yeah. <laughs> the DeAndre Jordan experience. And the Lakers are like, hey, he's available. Yeah. Not only <laughs> is like he available, Hello? we are going to actively try to, you know, get him. Like we are going to antagonize our center even further so that yeah. he wants to leave the team, use assets to dump Marcus all. Ugh, it's, <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, after all of that, why wouldn't teams be lining up to pick up DeAndre Jordan for, you know, the sweet price of saving the Lakers tax money. Um, it's just really a shame that the Lakers just can't suck it up and wave these guys if they want to create roster spots, because again, they're on minimum contracts. It's not an enormous, you know, financial hit that they are going yeah. to take, but uh, apparently everything that this salary cap, you know, penny pinching well, franchise wants to do is an enormous hit. So it's also like, like if you're trying to move these guys now, so let's say, let's say they succeed mm-hmm. a miracle happens. And some team says, you know what? Fine. Here's some future second rounder that will never, ever convey Top 55 protected or something Yeah, like the, 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 uh, OKC thunder, right. They, they say, all right, we want to get closer to the salary floor rather than just hand out money to the guys that are currently on the roster. Like, Let's say that happens. Well, let's also say then the Lakers head into the trade deadline and uh, they, yes, they would have open roster spots and, and some of that would, you know, be important come buyout market time after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But let's say the Lakers go into the trade deadline and they need to add three-ish million dollars to their offer, right? And they've already, they've already gotten rid of these guys in the trade mm-hmm. market previously. So it's like it, they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, right? Damned if they do because maybe 
they think that there's some player that is currently available on the buyout market who would make them a better team than DeAndre Jordan and or Kent Bazemore do. Okay. I don't really see that player. I don't think that player really exists, but fine. Um, I mean, Robert Covington is being benched in Portland. (laughs) Like, just not funny. Well, (laughs) that's also a Portland team that, like, is desperate for the things that he provides, too. It's, it's, it's such a weird tenure that he's had. Super, super weird. Yeah. Um, but so like they, so let's say, all right, fine. Robert Covington. I mean, I, I would imagine he gets traded before mm-hmm. he gets waived out. Right. Some team out there just kind of, I kind of feel the same way about Bazemore, even though Covington is a much better player. Some team out there is going to say, yeah, we think we could turn around Kent Bazemore's season. It's at least worth a flyer that doesn't cost us anything. DeAndre is just a carcass at this point. We'll see what happens. But but I think for for the sake of what the Lakers are going to be trying to do, so they have Taylor Horton Tucker, they have Kendrick Nunn, whose combined salaries get you to about like 15-ish million dollar contract that you could uh, take back. A little bit more and, because you can add like the 125% or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's in that range of like 13 to 18 million or right, something right. like that. So. Uh, if let, let's say that like that is they, you know, and, and that, that gets you access to most of the good players who would actually make a difference on this team. Mm-hmm. But let's say they like, Hey, there's a $20 million player out there, but we <laughs> don't feel like including Malik Monk in the deal. Right. Or we don't feel like including Avery. Bradley. Or, yeah, yeah. Like any, yeah. We, all we need is the salary to get us there. They're just going to wave that player after the fact. Anyway, I, I think it makes sense here that they would be making calls around the league to see what these guys market is. But I also think it kind of makes sense here with Baysmore. I think it makes sense to give it a go once AD and LeBron are healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I think eventually it makes sense to hold on to these guys as you approach the trade deadline, just to give you that extra flexibility to be able to do that kind of a move and just stack minimum contracts on each other to give yourself, you know, access to better players and more expensive players. Yeah. I just assume that they're doing their due diligence and, you know, keeping an eye on what the market is potentially for DJ and Bazemore, assuming that a bigger deal doesn't go through. Like that's just mm-hmm. something you have to have available because like they're going to be players in the buyout market. That's just who the Lakers are. They are a very attractive destination for buyout guys because mm-hmm. one, like you can come into the team and play immediately. Like that is a proven. <laughs> yeah. Stanley's like, you guys got to try this. <laughs> just, just this place is awesome. Come on down. Like we're not going to make you learn a playbook or anything. It's not really a learning curve. We'll start yeah. you in like game two. Uh, no. And there's like a history of that, right? Because like Andre Drummond got a starting spot last year off the buyout market. Marquise Morris was a big part of the rotation when he came in off the buyout market. So there is, you know, an inherent attraction for buyout guys to want to mm-hmm. come to the Lakers. So I do think that creating a roster spot is going to become a necessity at some point or later, but like, I, I would rather just wave instead of having to add what limited assets the Lakers have remaining to try to dump DJ or Bazemore. And I'm also of the belief that I think there's something left with Kent Bazemore. Like he was playing yep. for the Warriors last year on a good Warriors team, you know, not a great Warriors team like this year. And I think the fact that he's not on it is part of the reason why they are great this year, but uh <laughs> Other than the that, though, offensive responsibilities of playing for the Lakers are not the same as they are for playing yeah. for the Golden State Warriors, right? You don't need to have that same feel that Reading the Warriors the play with. Yeah, it's a little bit simplified on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I think that is an environment where obviously Bazemore has not yet succeeded, but I don't think it is impossible for him to get to that point. 
especially considering the limitations of the other combo guard options on the team. I would hope that he gets another chance to show something. Um, I'm not sure if he will, because like the, the Lakers are, are not playing bigs and they still don't seem to have any room in their perimeter rotation for Kent Bazemore, but who knows, maybe it'll happen. I just, I would hate for them to give up on Bazemore so early. And maybe this is just residual of 2014, having given up on Kent Bazemore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to figure it out for the Lakers. Maybe he just can't be good for the, for the Lakers. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's just that. No, I, I think, I think also with, with Bazemore, so I think the Lakers' best identity is athletic, long, switchy, mm-hmm. and LeBron, AD, and, and occasionally Russ, right? And, mm-hmm. and of the guys who are currently on the roster, it's basically like Stanley Johnson, Trevor Ariza, to a certain extent, though he does not exactly look fleet of foot right He's now. He's a little creaky, a little creaky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I... I I feel like we can almost hear Trevor Reza get off the bench, right? Like we can <laughs> Trevor. That's why they're up. starting him just so he can like fully, you know, yeah. be as warm as possible. Yeah. Is there any way I could wear those warm warming pads, like heating pads <laughs> while I'm playing? Is that something, am I allowed to do that? And then, um, but so you have, you have Stanley Johnson who isn't currently on the roster though. I would imagine I sometime tomorrow, I think they'll, they'll officially add, uh, Stanley to his first 10 day contract. And then mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, for, for after that, <laughs> for the purposes of, of being longish, switchy ish and, and, and athletic, like that's it. The, that's it. You know, people are saying, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker could be this wing defender. I'm like, he could. <laughs> he is longish, switchy, and athletic. I will give him those three things. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's also like 21. How yeah. he turns that into productive play is still beyond me. But the physical yeah. tools are there. Yeah. Yeah. But so like you have all right. So even if we're counting Taylor Horton Tucker, mm-hmm. it's not he's not somebody who I'm gonna sit there and say, like, okay, if he switched out onto an island in the way that you know <laughs> teams want to, uh, that I feel super confident. We've even seen with Austin Reeves, who I think has been better than anticipated uh, in those spots. Like we're starting to see him get knocked off his spot a little bit yeah. defensively. And, and I think with Bazemore, just in terms of, again, tools, like you mentioned with, with Taylor Horton Tucker and, and the absolute dearth of those tools elsewhere on the roster and frankly available on the market, I think you do have to kind of ride this out a little longer and just see, what he can do. Cause like, you know, people are saying, Oh, Kendrick Nunn's going to come back and look at the difference that he might make. And he's another like six, three, six, four. Kendrick combo Nunn is going to be playing 40 minutes for this team just so we can figure <laughs> out what he can do. <laughs> oh, just so other teams can figure out what he can. Yeah. Do. Yeah. The, the we <laughs> is the collective. We in the, the market. Here. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you a hundred percent on base more just seeing what you have both because of the contract stuff that we talked about earlier. And then also because of the skill set. because if he, if he works out, if he pounds out, like we've seen what Kyle Kuzma has done in Washington, where like, you don't just give away wings. Like that's just something you should ever, ever do. Like I I'm, I'm this close to making a, a rule when it comes to acquisitions and trades like that, that the point guard that you get back in return for a wing has to be like, a 10 compared to an eight, 
right? Like they have to be mm-hmm. significantly better to give away a wing and bring in a smaller player. And I, and, and so with Bazemore, he's like six, four, six, five, closer to six, six than, than, you know, the other combo guards on the team. Mm-hmm. And he is still like, even when he gets out and runs, he doesn't, he, he looks athletic. It's just a matter of like, Hey, for whatever reason, he learned, he, he forgot how to make layups. And for whatever, it's a, for it's whatever a disease reason, on this team, <laughs> he, he cannot make uh, open three pointers, which is, mm-hmm. which is a bad thing. But you do kind of have to feel like those are things that could progress to a mean at some point. Yeah. And I just don't know that he got that much time to really showcase, you know, if he could turn into anything like the, the season, like seemingly went off the rails so quickly that, you know, Frank Vogel had to adjust, I think more soon than he originally anticipated. And that, you know, Bazemore did not help his case at all. Like, I'm not saying he deserves more minutes. I'm just saying that because of the other options available to the Lakers, it might behoove them to give him more minutes just because, like, the outlines of a productive player as recently as last season are there. You know, it's mm-hmm. not unreasonable to think that that form is completely gone, whereas, you know, the other side of the coin with DeAndre, like, he hasn't been good since he was on the Clippers. Yeah. It's been a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot he was on the Clippers. but no i i yeah i I think for and again it's just it's just a matter of the lakers getting back to recognizing the identity that won them a championship two years ago it Mm -hmm. wasn't through bucket getters that's not what won them a championship it was and i and by the way like i have thoroughly enjoyed watching malik monk and carmelo anthony play basketball this year i like bucket getters i gotta tell you (laughs) they're they're fun they are incredibly fun Honestly, it looks incredible to be Malik Monk on a basketball court. Like, yeah. wait, you're telling me that I can have a, a, a good handle. I can shoot from 35 feet out and I can jump 40 inches in the air. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a blast. Um, and so like, I, I, but, but still that's not that, that, you know, the things that Malik really kind of prioritizes on a basketball court, isn't the kind of things that late won the Lakers, a championship two seasons ago. And maybe they thought that the circumstances under which they won that championship were a little suspect and they wanted to get ahead of needing to evolve before they didn't have the flexibility to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, even, even if that is the case, you don't have to push all your chips into, we are just getting bucket getters. That is all we're getting. Russell Westbrook. We are getting <laughs> Kendrick Nunn. We are getting Malik Monk. We are convincing ourselves that Taylor Horton Tucker is a three and D wing, even though he is more of a bucket getter than absolutely anything else. Um, and, and I think they need to, if, if not completely commit to three D wing type players, they do need more of them on the roster. And if you're just giving one away or giving something away in order to get rid of one, uh, I, I would rather see, I would rather finish the season and find out that Kendrick Bazemore just sucks now then just <laughs> give them away right now. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny when you said I'm like about to make a proclamation. I thought you were going to say that you were issuing like a public apology to Coos for all of the mean things you've said about him for the <laughs> last two years. So I, all right. I was very mean to him a couple years ago because sure. I always rolled my eyes at like, could he be the third star? I was like, <laughs> 
Couldn't no. be our third bucket getter, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> no, he can't be the third star. Like he's he not going to 36 be... points the other night. The guy can fill yeah. it up when he wants to. For sure. And that's, we always knew that about Coos. Like mm-hmm. there would be some games, hell, all of summer league. We're like, holy crap. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> like that's what made everybody fall in love with this guy was his mm-hmm. touch around the basket. His, his shooting stroke is quick with a high release. It's the kind of mm-hmm. shot that like, even if, even if you don't believe that he is somebody who you have to race out to contest right in order to contest it, you have to really commit to mm-hmm. that close out. And, and so anyway, but I, I always kind of rolled my eyes. Cause like there was, there was that one meme of him standing in front of a locker and it was like Kobe's <laughs> uniform on one side and LeBron's uniform on the other. And Kuz is standing there like, all right, I'm in this group. Like what, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, so I, 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 I always rolled my eyes at that, but I, I, I have always believed that he's a winning basketball player and he immediately made the Washington wizards better. Like he, he just did. Yeah. I mean, he would have had a pretty cool game winning shot had DeMar not one upped him the other night. Yeah. And I I'm of the belief that Kuzma needed a change of scenery. Like there was just Mm -hmm. too much LA going on here and it was good for him to get into a situation where they actually relied upon the wizards need him to be good in a way that the Lakers did not. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's just healthier for him to be there, but yeah, it's well, funny. It like also- back in the day, there used to be there that axiom that like you never traded bigs for smalls. Mm-hmm. And like now you, you just can't trade wings for smalls because yeah. that's just the most valuable thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, I, I think Kuz also like by, so if, like the stuff that I was hearing by the time the Lakers actually traded him was it's not that Kuz was like out there putting his foot down and saying, trade me now. No, but it was no. also like, it was also, you know, if I got traded to a little bit worse of a team and I got to play a little more, he was little ready to go to Sacramento. <laughs> like he was, you realize how desperate you have to be for touches. If you're happy to go to <laughs> Sacramento. Um, but so, so yeah, I, and, and yeah, but to get back to, you know, the, the wing point that you just made, mm-hmm. They everything that matters in 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 basketball in NBA basketball in 2021, uh, shots in the corners, layups and dunks, uh, versatility on defense, being able to guard multiple positions like that is a wing, or you're mm-hmm. a super special point guard, which was like Caruso, right? Mm-hmm. What made Caruso so special as a point guard alongside LeBron is that be able to guard multiple positions knock down uh, corner threes if he has to and, and an ability to finish at the rim. Like those, I I've never particularly cared about how he could handle a pick and roll. Can he do those other things that the Lakers really need? He can't, he cannot <laughs> handle a pick and roll. He yeah. still can't, you know, but, but uh, you know, for, for wings and where we are right now in 2021. And this is why I think I would, again, rather finish the season with Bazemore on the books on the roster at the end of the bench, I would rather have that happen than trade this guy away for nothing right now before we have any idea what the return would be, not in terms of like the return in the trade, but in terms of who they would be replacing him with. Because if they mm-hmm. replace him with another bucket getter, I'm jumping off my roof. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one story. We're fine. Okay. It's okay. Really <laughs> just like, like a sprained ankle is all I'm talking about. <laughs> I do wonder if the Lakers willingness to unload DJ and Bazemore is an indication that they like foresee an unbalanced trade coming where like they would need to take in Mm -hmm. more players 
or it's an indication of maybe the big fish guy is not out there and Mm -hmm. we need to do the little things quickly before the price gets too high. Yeah. That too. I think it could be, I mean, I, I'm, I always kind of, at this point, I think we kind of have to question the Intel that the Lakers have, right? Because they were convinced that they were getting Kawhi and they were convinced that they were getting Darren Collison a couple of years ago. And n- neither of those guys. One of those happened. things is really not like the other. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. But like, it's just, it, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of funny that, you know, I heard so much confidence from them on both of those things. They had Darren Collison sitting next to Jeannie Buss at a game like you don't do that Not unless yet. like that guy's a future Laker and, I, and he was just yeah. a couple years later um, wildly different circumstances <laughs> but like if if they do have intel on the kind of player who might get bought out right that's something so like Drummond last year this was an, mm-hmm. this is an example of them having good intel they had a feeling that Drummond was going to get bought out and they didn't bring back Damian Jones in order to have an open roster spot for Andre Drummond whenever mm-hmm. he got bought out so that's an like that's an indication that they do sometimes get good intel, right. um, and and like to your point, if they are getting some intel on some player that uh, that maybe Detroit doesn't like no Taylor and Tucker, <laughs> right? Whether it's well, yeah, maybe maybe it's Detroit not being thrilled with them, maybe it's Atlanta not really being thrilled with with because his fit alongside Trey isn't make ideal. A lot of sense to I don't me. think. Yeah. yeah so so I, I think for for what the Lakers need to do um, and, and, you know, maybe what you and I think they need to do and what they think they need to do are two very different things. They might be sitting there saying we need to upgrade the Deandre Jordan slash Dwight Howard spot because Dwight is good once a week, but you might need him more often than once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and they might be saying, Hey, we might need a, a sturdier backup point guard, depending on what Kendrick Nunn looks like. And so yeah, there are a few holes that they need to that they need to address. I, I I would still still I would still start at the wing. It's just that wings are also the most expensive commodity in the NBA. Yeah, I mean we've we've heard a lot of Jeremy Grant smoke, so I, that's always where my head goes when I think about the Lakers trading. And I have I, I think we've talked about this, but like, does Talon and Kendrick salary wise get you to Jeremy Grant? I forget if that's um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I have to look again, but yeah. Yeah. So in that case, you wouldn't need like the, the Deandre Bazemore extra matching salary thing doesn't really come into play. But yeah, I, it's just so early to be talking about offloading guys. Like I know we said that like the trade deadline is coming, but like it's still more than a month away. Like nothing has really happened trade wise because Every NBA team is so focused on, okay, which guy am I going to get to fill in the 12th spot on my roster today? Uh, So to already be in a position where like, I mean, they don't need to telegraph to the league that they don't need DeAndre Jordan. Like everybody knows that the Lakers don't need DeAndre Jordan and they want to get off DeAndre Jordan. (laughs) When they signed him, everybody knew. (laughs) To already be in a position where like you're expressing the need to get rid of him. It just feels early to me. And Mm -hmm. so- that to me suggests that there is some shift in what the Lakers thought was going to happen mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. And I, I'm just curious as to what that's going to be because um, it, it appears to be like a slight change in their order of priorities at the very least in terms of what they want to do next month. So it looks like uh, it, it looks like it's close. So mm-hmm. obviously Tan Horton Tucker on the books for nine and a half this year, Kendrick Nunn on the books for five mil. 
Jeremy Grant is on the books for just like a shade over 20. So either they get you all the way there or you need like one more veteran minimum contract. Mm -hmm. And again, this is where like, if the veterans minimum contract that you're handing over is DeAndre Jordan, then cool. I don't, that's literally just the number that you're matching with. But if that becomes Wayne Ellington, or if that becomes, uh, I, I, I think we've reached the point here where it won't be Malik Monk. We know that it's not going to be Malik Monk. Right. Uh, right. But if it's, if, but if it's like Avery Bradley or something like that, um, that's where that salary that you are just right now, potentially including alongside an asset to get rid of and get off your books like that, it becomes more painful to make that trade than it necessarily has to be. Mm-hmm. It is funny to me to think about DJ being traded back to the Pistons after they waived him <laughs> <laughs> so that the Lakers could sign Didn't him. They this even do that? You can trade someone back. You can't wave him and have him re-sign with the existing team. <laughs> so it's like the opposite yeah. of the, yeah. <laughs> it's the problem. It's the, the Juno Sogalskis rule, right? Where yeah, exactly. The Cavs, the Cavs traded him and then he was waived and he walked right he back into back. the facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if he ever left Cleveland. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then so, they like extended it to like a 30 day thing. And then people were like, all right, we'll just make the trade earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, man, I think it's because 25% of 20 million is, uh, you need an extra salary. Yeah. Five, five million bucks. Mm-hmm. And they are at between those two guys. Ironically, if they would have just signed Kendrick Nunn for the full exception, <laughs> I think they get there. Without having to add another, without did they use to, the extra money to like give Austin Reeves a longer contract though? I don't, I don't, I don't know. That might be one of them. I know that one of the things that was talked about quite a bit back then was that it provides them a little extra money if somebody gets bought out. They can oh, okay. go to that yeah. player and they can say, "Hey, we have instead of the prorated minimum, we have now a, a little know, bit extra a million yeah. bucks that you can mm-hmm. be interested in." Mm-hmm. That makes sense, uh, but yeah. It is what it is. I mean, it's not surprising at all that the Lakers are not happy with the way things are going with those two players. Um, isn't it just so funny that DeAndre Jordan can't see the floor for a team that got out-rebounded by 28 against Minnesota? <laughs> well, I mean, the Nets were paying him 10 million bucks and that's they, he didn't see the floor for them in the playoffs. Yeah. Like That's just $10 million of dead money that's sitting over there on your bench. And the fact that nobody in the Lakers saw that as a red flag is, is kind of alarming. I can't wait for Frank to say like, you know, Rob was really high on Deandre Jordan. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm waiting new- for, I'm waiting for LeBron James to be like, yeah, you know, I was, I was watching DJ on the nets and he uh, went through these stretches where they weren't playing him. And I talked to, you know, my boy, Mike Penberthine was like, how are we going to get him over to Los Angeles? No. If, if DeAndre had worked out, I think yeah. we would have gotten that quote, but he hasn't. So, no, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the notion of Frank Vogel, master chess player. Like It's just <laughs> so much fun with the way that he has handled the media this year. It's great. It's true. It's true. I do miss when Rob would come out and talk because he is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just nice to have a competing perspective, you know, like him sitting quietly doesn't really do anything for him first of all yeah and especially when you know one lebron is taking credit for all the good things and (laughs) frank is pointing out all of the bad things (laughs) like you know just like a state of the union for rob palenka would be helpful 
what? Yeah. Well, actually, what's kind of interesting here, and I do find this fascinating, back when the Lakers were reeling because Magic Johnson just walked away to be able to tweet more, um, when, when that happened, the expectation there was somebody has to say something. I remember I was losing my mind. Like, mm -hmm. how are we not going to hear from anybody while the Lakers are, are completely uh, rudderless in, mm -hmm. in, in that moment? And they never really did say anything. They, no, they just kind of went about their business and then eventually, you know, as quietly as, as an organization like the Lakers can just promoted Rob and moved forward. Yeah. I don't think he spoke until like the 80 trade was finalized and Anthony yeah. Davis had to speak to the public. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it seems pretty clear here just in terms of, and now they do have a, a new head of PR. So maybe things change a little bit now, but uh, in terms of the way that they handle these situations, they are very much of the opinion or of the approach of, yeah, we're just going to let the work talk for itself. And so I, I do find it kind of interesting here that instead of getting Rob out there saying, yeah, whoops, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're instead hearing about them putting in the work so that eventually when we do hear from Rob, it can be him saying how they, uh, you know, successfully moved off of mistakes that, nobody made it's just like deandre just walked into the uh well you know we ended up pursuing a style with lebron at center that no one could have seen coming and in that model then deandre mm -hmm. was no longer as useful as we once thought he was going to be like there's a way to spin this once uh -huh. the lakers <laughs> get back yeah. over 500 and you're able to move on from pj but yeah he's I guess not I, yet I, at the point where he can claim his victories so why would you put him out to talk to people yeah. right right it's 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 a lot easier to pat yourself on the back than to just repeatedly say whoopsie yeah because <laughs> it's not like he can sit there and pat himself on the back with how the rust trade has gone either right yeah but and i mean there's some wins he can point in with like mellow and monk and reeves like mm -hmm. they're you know oh lebron's doing that LeBron. yeah <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. LeBron watched the film of Austin Reeves when he was in college. He LeBron was discussing with Jason Kidd how good Malik Monk was last year. Watched zero Russell Westbrook tape, though. No. <laughs> like, Who had whatsoever. time to watch the Wizards when you're checking in on Portland and Charlotte and all of this Oklahoma film? Yeah, I it's... <laughs> And when not, you've been scouting Talon since high school, not Oklahoma City, the University of Oklahoma. University. <laughs> There's only so much you can ask your player GM to do, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, we're, I guess they just traded for Russ in the blind, 45 million bucks that are going to be on the book. And you just said, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. No, Trez we'll wasn't playing, you know, Kuz was missing every shot. KCP wasn't yeah. having it. It's like, well, it's, it's funny because like, so if we go, if we go back two years ago or two seasons ago, 15 right. months ago, actually, yeah. but, but if they go, if you go back two years ago, Lakers win a championship and it looked like they were set up incredibly well to, you know, add to an already championship caliber roster mm -hmm. and, and, you know, potentially if need be at some point, uh, consolidate some of those assets into a bigger trade as we saw with Russ. It just as so we happens saw. Yeah. With, with the wrong trade. Uh, but with it's, it's funny to see the, the, the Polinka and Lakers front office stands basically say like, okay, we acknowledge and the Lakers acknowledge that the, the, some of the moves haven't been ideal or haven't necessarily worked out. Like this is tantamount to somebody within the Lakers organization coming out and saying, 
yeah, DeAndre was a mistake. Uh, mm -hmm. Kent Bazemore hasn't worked out. And, and so if they are acknowledging that, even via leak, then I think everybody can technically or should technically be able to step out and say, all right, yeah, whoopsie. You know, <laughs> we can still, you can still, if you want to fire off the hashtag and Rob, we trust, Rob, we trust. Fine. If that's what, if that's your, uh, if that's what gets you off, like, like go for it, I guess. Like standing for executives is super weird to me, but fine. Uh, and, and, and yet, like, even if you're doing that, he is actively right now trying to make up for mistakes that he knows that he made. And I think, you know, when it comes to analyzing this team and, and, and trying to figure out our expectations moving forward for it, not just this season, but moving forward in the post LeBron years, post AD mm -hmm. years, and trying to figure out what these guys are capable of good at what they need to address as weaknesses in their approach here. Like, this is where seeing the process of going from as well set up as they were two years ago and arriving where they are right now, where you are either desperate to make a THT trade or desperate to just shed salary because maybe they don't think they can win a championship this year. Like if that, if you're going to see point a and arrive at point B without acknowledging some of the mistakes that were made along that pathway, like then, then you're not capable of analyzing what this team is, is is going to do in the years to come yeah that's a really good point that i hadn't actually acknowledged about how well set up the lakers were post 2020 because it was incredible yeah i thought it was a the, dynasty I the 2019 I... offseason like obviously they got anthony davis and mm -hmm. but no one was particularly enthused with the roster they put around lebron and anthony davis and it ended up working mm -hmm. out better than i think most people expected but yeah they had a nice collection of like mid-sized contracts and they were able to you know they still had a couple picks at their disposal, which obviously mm -hmm. have since gone away in trades. But yeah, I, I, a Schroeder deal still bothers me. Uh, but and 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 I got it. Like you yeah. know, I, I'll say that I was I was kind of happy with the Schroeder deal. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, I was wrong, and and you know, I think even worse than the Schroeder deal was not making the Kyle Lowry deal. I think that's right. one where, and even there again, like I think it's. Uh, more complicated than haha the Lakers didn't want to trade Taylor Horton Tucker for right, Kyle Lowry. Right, right. They they would have been trading their entire backcourt for Kyle Lowry yeah. in a season that they didn't know whether or not they were going to get LeBron and AD back. But given the fact that you know it would have allowed you to re-sign the guy and it prevents the Russell Westbrook trade from this offseason that you know it's a fork in the road that I think we all yeah. kind of have to acknowledge it for what it was. And 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 again it's about figuring out the mistakes that you make to arrive here so that you don't make them again in the years to come, which are going to be more complicated. They aren't going to be as flexible as they've been in the last right. couple of off seasons. They are going to lose LeBron at some point, might even lose Anthony Davis at some point. You might have to go into a complete rebuild here. And based off of what we've seen right now from Rob Polinka, I can, or, or the Lakers front office, I trust their, their scouting department when it comes mm -hmm. to finding talent. That is one thing I can certifiably say, all right, that is something they do really, really well. Absolutely. Um, now, how good is this front office at acknowledging current NBA talent? Like that, I think, is, is still a question mark. And if you are heading into a rebuild and you are really good at the one thing that is going to really matter, scouting young talent, that's cool. But you also have to figure out how to match it with current NBA talent. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, we're talking about something that probably won't take place for years down the road, 
but this is the group that is going to be in charge of that years down. Genie isn't firing Kobe's agent agent. Like he's not going anywhere. Like that's not happening. And so like, I think, you know, for this trade deadline, I think it's going to be really enlightening in, in what they focus on and what they're able to pull off. Yeah. I, I do love that the best skill of the Lakers front office, which is scouting young talent is rendered almost completely useless by the fact that they've given up all of their, picks. all the picks. <laughs> hey, that's, that's where we are. Uh, yeah. Just to bring it back to this year's trade deadline. Um, you know, we're sitting here on January 5th. The deadline is on February 10th. Prediction as of now, who do you think, do you think that one, do you think the Lakers are going to move anybody and two, like, what are they getting back? So I, I think actually the Lakers can get back a better piece than especially like NBA Twitter gives them credit for, uh, you know, the joke right now is uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is not like the second coming. Well, fine. No matter how you feel about uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, a first round pick potentially that purveys uh, or conveys either of those vase. Oy vey. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, like a first round pick after LeBron is a Laker and potentially after Anthony Davis is a Laker. Yeah. 2027 is a long ways away. And we've seen yeah. the Lakers give up some juicy picks in recent yeah. years. And so like, I think if you are giving up that pick, if you are offering up that pick, you have to be getting a really, really good player. A thought that actually crossed my mind today in the shower was I, it's, I don't even know if this is legal in the CBA, but if the Lakers approached LeBron and said, all right, if we trade our 2027 first rounder, you have to promise us that you are here through 2028 because, <laughs> because that is a giant risk. And like, I'm not even sure Jeremy Grant is good enough to include for that first rounder. I, I, I don't think he, he guarantees them a championship this year. Um, I don't think Cam Ravish is, is good enough for that first rounder let alone that first rounder alongside the only movable contract that the Lakers are going to have next year too. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's the problem is that it's gotta be tailing plus the pick. Yeah. And, and it has to and, be somebody who's good enough to warrant both of those things. Right. So I, I think, uh, I think they make a move, but I'm going to hold them to a really high standard for the, on that move, because, like if you were trading that 2027 first rounder and you were trading Taylor Horton Tucker, you are basically cashing every chip that you are going to have for the remainder of the 2010s uh, or no 2020s. 20s. Good Lord. Uh, you are basically saying that, you know, you have to win one, maybe two championships in the, uh, the 2020s. And yes, like the only, the Lakers are the only organization I would hold to the standard because, you know, 40% of the teams out there in the NBA haven't won one ever. Mm -hmm. But if you were, if you were doing that, if you're committing like that, then it does have to pay dividends. And I'm not totally sold that grant or reddish or any of these other guys do miles Turner, maybe, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah. for sure. How about you? What do, what do you think? I, I think it'll be a quiet deadline. I think the Lakers will mercifully get rid of Deandre Jordan and make my fan experience much happier for the last two months of the season. <laughs> That's where I'm honestly, landing. if we wish were just, fulfillment right. is what I'm predicting, <laughs> what would, what would like, if they basically said, all right, we couldn't find a taker for him. We don't want to, we don't want to eat his salary. We were able to find a taker for Kent Bazemore. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but we we can guarantee you, you will never see DeAndre Jordan play basketball ever again. Would that be wish fulfillment? No, no, I want him out. No. I want him out. <laughs> Gone. Not even the temptation. <laughs> I don't want to run into the situation again. We're like, oh, it's been two weeks. Let's try DJ in the starting lineup again because nobody else is healthy. No, no. <laughs> Get him off my team. If the Lakers can somehow turn DJ Bazemore and like a future second for Damian Jones, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I do appreciate that you have committed to the Damian Jones bit. Like, I don't even I'm... know if it's real anymore or if it's just something that you attached yourself to and just have seen through, you know, but yeah, I need I like to be Damian committed. Jones. I like it. I, I, like it, it's not a matter of my own commitment. It's that I need to be admitted to, to a, <laughs> someone who can give me help for, for these. Once again, of- your reminder that the Sacramento Kings have about seven centers. Yeah. Marvin Bagley can play center too. They could get rid of Damian Jones if they wanted to, but they choose He's actually to hold playing him now. I was so pissed. Us. They choose to hold him to spite us because when Rashad Holmes exits the protocol, there go the Damian Jones minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should sell high right now. They, they really honestly should, but the Kings are dumb, so they won't. Sorry, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that has been our, uh, you know, little foray into Lakers trade talk, which again, for a deadline that is about 36 days away, but hey, <laughs> it's an important time for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, be honest. When you saw the Windhorst report mm-hmm. that they are act- actively working on getting rid of DeAndre Jordan, you smiled? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, 100%. you know, that. It made yeah. my day a little brighter today. It's kind of chilly. It warmed my heart a little bit out here in Texas. It's yeah. great. I mean, we all make mistakes. You just have to work to rectify them. And Not LeBron, uh, though. Rob <laughs> makes mistakes. <laughs> the Rambi make mistakes. <laughs> I LeBron's just all of his little story times about his GMing work delight me to no avail. The fact that he retweeted that Josiah Johnson post about, you know, freeing uh, Malik Monk <laughs> from Charlotte. Um, enjoy yourself, LeBron. You're absolutely killing it. Uh, as long as you're scoring 30 points per game at the ripe old age of 37. Yeah. By all means, take all of the GM credit you want. You know <laughs> Do what? It all. That's, that's the objectively correct stance here. So long yeah. as he keeps playing the way that he does, I'll just enjoy the quirks for what they are. I hope yeah. he writes a book on how to GM one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it'll be one page long. (laughs) (laughs) He'll open it to the front page. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that has been our show. Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast for Lakers talk every day of the week. And we'll be back next Wednesday.